agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government has the government love. The government has the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today once again by not one, but two co-hosts, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson, and political scientist, Ryan Teton. Hi, Mike. Hi. So, yeah, I realize, Ryan, we, we do not have a moniker for you yet. Jay is a defender of freedom. We tried, Trey, or Trey tried to give one to Ken. But nothing stuck. I had some that I thought, I think he felt were too bombastic. I don't know. I thought they fit, but whatever. So well, anyway, if, if you, if you want to, I don't know if you can self-monikerize. I think I just gave that one to you, <laughs> Jay, after a while. It just seemed to fit. But anyway, listeners, if you have any thoughts on, on that. So I, I don't get I a moniker because I just do the intro. Maybe emperor of the universe oh, is what I would be in. So you're there. aiming low. That's, that's good. <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm just your humble host, I guess, you know, intro reader. But anyway, so, hey, I, I just wanted to let everyone know, since this is a supporter show, I just wanted to remind you again, if you want to be part of that new thing we're doing, where every month we're going to have a special segment on the show where you can select the topics and then you can be part, you can listen in on the conversation, make little, make little or large comments a little sounds belittling you can make all kinds of relevant comments like wow mike just said something that was spectacularly uninformed uh here's the actual facts here and then that would be good to know so real-time fact checking us if you want to do that or anything else i think it should be really a, a cool experience i'm looking forward to it and again that's going to be available to all of our supporters at the ten dollar per month or higher level and if you want to Check that out. The other stuff at those levels, uh, it's, uh, you know, you know where it at. Patreon.com slash politics, guys. And in the show notes, you've heard the spiel a million times, probably. But we hope you'll check it out. All right. So where we uh, we're going to kick off with, I believe, a story that, Ryan, you're going to lead us off on, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're headed to Oklahoma. So what we have here is that uh, Oklahoma's attorney general, um, Jentner Drummond, uh, has asked the U.S. Supreme Court to grant the death row inmate Richard Glossop a stay of execution. Um, Glossop is scheduled to be executed on May 18th for the 1997 murder for hire killing, quote, of Glossop's former boss, Barry Vantrese. Another man, Justin Sneed, admitted robbing and killing Vantrese after Glossop promised to pay him $10,000. However, Sneed received a life sentence in exchange for his testimony and was the key witness against Glossop. Um, he, the AG says he doesn't believe Glossop is innocent, but just didn't receive a fair trial. Quote, I am not, un, or I am not aware of an Oklahoma attorney general ever supporting a clemency application for a death row inmate, Drummond wrote. In every previous case that has come before the board, the state has maintained full confidence in the integrity of the conviction. That is simply not the case in this matter due to the material evidence that was not disclosed to the jury. Um, specifically, they are looking at a key witness who said they lied on the stand about his psychiatric condition, as well as his reason for taking the mood stabilizing drug lithium. Um, Glossop has been just hours from being executed three times. Um, quote, including once in September 2015, when prison officials realized they had received the wrong lethal drug, a mix up that helped prompt a nearly seven year moratorium on the death penalty in Oklahoma. 
And last development was, quote, on November 2nd, 2022, Governor Kevin Stitt issued a reprieve, staying Glossop's scheduled December 8th, 22 execution date to allow time for the Oklahoma Court of Civil Appeals, uh, the Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals to address pending and legally uh, legal proceedings. Um, the reprieve extended the stay as part of a prior August 2022 ruling and rescheduled the execution for February 16th, 2023, which now we know has been stayed. When we're looking at death row uh, inmates in general, there are roughly 2,300 people on the death row in the United States. Um, jurisdictions that have the most prisoners on death row, California has 729, Florida has 348, Texas has 224, Alabama has 177, followed by Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Ohio, and Arizona. Um, Pew has noted that this peaked in 2000, the number of people on death row, with over 3,500. Uh, in time between sentencing and execution, one of the biggest questions that comes up concerning death row inmates. In 1984, the time between sentencing and execution was 74 months, or roughly six years. And in 2023, it is 264 months, which is an average of 22 years. The longest person on death row is uh, Hakamata Ao, uh, who has been held. He's convicted in 1968 and spent over 45 years on death row. Um, so the first question to both of you is, what is the takeaway from this issue arising in Oklahoma? So more the specific than the cruel and unusual punishment aspect. You know. I got to say, it's amazing to me that as far as I can tell to this point, Governor Stitt's position on this has been, well, I already gave him two stays and I'm not doing more because two's enough. <laughs> I mean, and there were even Rep Republicans in the state and the state legislature who were saying, no, dude, you really need to issue another stay. And I, I understand the argument to not grant clemency. And in fact, I believe under Oklahoma state law, it, they keep couldn't grant clemency without a positive recommendation from the clemency board. And they were deadlocked on that because the, the fifth member was someone who was part of the original prosecuting team on the case. But he certainly could issue a stay. And why he would hesitate at all in doing that when his own attorney general is saying like, wow, we didn't give this guy a fair trial. It, it kind of blows my mind. I, I don't know. Jay, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't get it either. If there's evidence that uh, he didn't do it, then uh, uh, um, I'm, I'm not laughing because of that. I'm laughing because as, as we said, this someone, uh, someone just post, posted uh, "death to Chevron" uh, on um, LinkedIn um, uh, notification. Um, uh, anyway, uh, no, but, but beside that, uh, no. Look, obviously, if there's Good reason uh, to think that um, uh, the, the conviction is an error, uh, a stay is appropriate uh, until that is determined. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what else I can say to that. If, you know, if the attorney general is is doing his job, uh, it sounds like the legislature is doing its job. So, well, I, unfortunately, I, I would think that this uh, plays into the partisanship of the state as well. When looking at the governor uh, reexamining this case, uh, when you're looking at Oklahoma, you're looking at a state that basically had zero counties go blue, um, boy, maybe since 2000. Uh, and so it, it's a, a very heavily Republican state, which, again, uh, lends towards 
support for the death penalty. And I just, uh, I wonder. Well, I mean, I think you could, you could still support the death penalty, but not support uh, killing innocent people. Oh, no. I, <laughs> the governor, yeah. I think yeah. you can draw. I'm for that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. But, but no, yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, Ryan. Like the governor's political position. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, right. He, at least I hope, and I, I even, I'll say, I expect that he will issue another stay, but doing it quickly would have potentially allowed him to be labeled by some very uninformed people as soft on criminals and crime. And so, but, but to me, just, I don't know, this guy's had something like, I think seven uh, stays at this point or or delays of his execution. And at some point I got to wonder, this maybe pulls us into the larger issues. Yeah. Well, well, at what point does this become? It reminds me of that. uh, uh, If you if you're listening to this and you haven't seen The Princess Bride, you really need to just go and do that now and then come back to the podcast. But, you know, where where Wesley was on the ship, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Right. And and he told him every morning, well, you know, good job, Wesley. Tomorrow I may kill you. You know, (laughs) it's every day. That to me sure does seem like cruel, unusual punishment. I I don't know. Jay, what do you think on that level? So I, I would tend to to agree um uh with that that um now now again the the governor may have reasons and good statutory reasons that i i'm not familiar with with oklahoma to to make the call of of, you know what he can do when uh and if other pieces have to play out first um that's that could be a reasonable response or it could just be he doesn't want to be first out of the gate uh until these other things play out um uh, but in terms of, of is it cruel and unusual punishment? Well, um, I would I would think uh, it, it certainly comes close to it. Uh, it's it's almost sort of like a mock execution. Um, now, a lot of times these these things happen sort of by necessity, uh, just because time runs out. Right um, there, this is one of those legal situations where there is a a definite. Uh, you know, time that something's going to happen and, and everything has to get done right before then. And it's one thing to say, okay, you've got your trial date coming up uh, and you're rushing, rushing, rushing. Okay, well, we'll we'll continue the trial. Uh, it's something else when you have an execution date uh, that's that's on the calendar. Um, uh, and and yeah, I, I don't I don't know any other way to do it. You know, though, going to have uh, a death penalty. Um, uh, I think you have to sort of have to set dates certain by which things need to be done. Um, but necessarily everybody keeps working up to the very last minute because that's, that's all they can do. Right. Yeah. Jay, can I ask you if if you think it's functioning as a deterrent, just a, a little more abstract on the death penalty? Cause we're on the stats I gave, especially with the individuals uh, being incarcerated on death row, a federal prisoner costs roughly $34,000 a year and a death row inmate costs anywhere from 50 to $70,000 a year. So it's not financially viable. Um, is it working as a deterrent to, in your opinion, uh, to, to justify the cost and the complications and the issues that we're seeing arise in different states? Um, I don't know that it is. And, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going out on a limb here because I don't have any the research is split on this. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no, yeah, definitive. I mean, yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. And, and, and it's deterrence is something that's, that's uh, obviously incredibly difficult to measure. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't uh, do this because of, uh, uh, you know, fear of the death penalty. 
Um, and I've always been, you know, I've, Mike and I have talked about this a lot on the show, and I had had some limited experience with death penalty cases during my um, federal clerkship. Um, and and quite honestly, I, I see a lot of death penalty as a, a government program that just doesn't work very well. Um, that is uh, extremely expensive to manage. Um, uh, doesn't necessarily give you the results that that you would hope that it would. Um, that said, I can point to circumstances where uh, I think the death penalty, having the death penalty on the table, um, is it can be a good thing. Uh, this is the, actually the the anniversary. I think the tenth anniversary of the rescue of the women from uh, Ariel Castro it was here in um, uh, Cleveland. This, this mm, guy yeah. who kept these women chained up in his basement for for years, um, and he went to trial. And uh, but before before he goes to trial, there's a last minute plea deal where they have the death penalty on the table and he agrees and he pleads. He pleads uh, uh, guilty and gets life in prison. Um, and by doing so, he he saved the victims. Uh, what would have been the horrible reliving uh, what they went through. He saved the state, uh, the, the, the time and hassle. Uh, the expense, because it would have also been, you know, such a big press thing, so much security, all these other things that would have had to have been done. Yeah. Um, Save this the state a great deal of, of time, effort, and money. Um, and he ended up uh, killing himself in prison. Uh, so it all sort so of it all sort worked of out, out, right? Yeah, that's yeah. The uh... but but my but that's that's kind of my my point though is um, but for uh, the death penalty, and I think there are probably other cases out there where you can say, listen. Here's your choices. Uh, you can either take a deal and get life or 20 years or something like that, or you could be facing a death penalty. Uh, so I think that's it can be helpful in some of those cases. Now, again, it's, it's difficult when you've got a case where say um, it's just there's there's a, a situation of factual innocence. Right. That's that's different than um, uh, someone like Sergio uh, Castro or, or cases where that. Where the the proof uh, is is really not in question, as far as as far as culpability. And but yeah, on so, that Jay, you know, let let's remember that since in the last half century there have been something like 191 death row prisoners exonerated of all the charges yeah. against them, and there are yeah. probably more out. So and, and that that to me is always the big problem is that there are certain cases like the Castro case. There are cases where it's clear and unequivocal, but there are more than a trivial number of cases where someone is sentenced to die, and almost certainly there have been more than a trivial number of cases where the state has taken the life of someone uh, when they shouldn't have, when they were wrong. And that, to me, if you're, if you're a real conservative and if you're, uh, if you're worried about state power, boy, you should be worried about that. I am. Uh, there you go. You're I a would, real conservative. Well, <laughs> I want to kick in here with what Jay was talking I, I believe the, the deterrent aspect, especially on the table, I understand that a hundred percent. I'm wondering if, uh, you know, I'm not going to do this because I'll get the death penalty and die in 22 years. Um, <laughs> yeah. As yeah. No, I, I don't that. think. I think right. Most, no, no, I, most, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you. I think in that, especially at the outset of the trial, and you're looking at that, it absolutely can be that. I I wonder if the next stage could, uh, I, I think, have a higher level of scrutiny. So if it does move to a death penalty case. Um, in some of these cases, there's a documentary called I Am Evidence and DNA hasn't been tested because they can't afford to or they're on a delay or I mean, is there something that raises these all to a different level where 
Someone can look at the facts of the case. Somebody could look at whether the lawyer just shafted them, which I would hate to say would ever occur, but it seems like there are enough documentaries on TV to prove that it does occur. And so when we're talking about putting someone to death, does there need to be something additional that would occur to ensure that those 191 who might have been innocent, um, you know, that we cross our T's and dot our I's? I think well, I, yeah. there really sort of sort of is. I mean, there's a there's a pretty lengthy and robust, um, uh, you know, system. Right. And this, this is why, you know, death penalties uh, often isn't enforced for for 20 some years is because mm -hmm. there's there's direct appeals. There's the habeas appeals. There's multiple habeas corpus um, uh, proceedings and appeals of those. Um, so so there you know, it, it's not to say that there are no safeguards. There certainly are. Mm -hmm. um, are those safeguards foolproof? Uh, no, they're not. Uh, just because of the way our 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 judicial system is is set up, right? If, if it's especially issues of fact that are determined by a jury, it's very uh, difficult, uh, absent uh, new evidence and absent sort of compelling new evidence uh, to get those determinations overturned, uh, either on appeal or through a motion for a new trial or or or, or however. Um, and that's that's just kind of a a you know how our system is built. Um, and no one's come up with a, a necessarily a better way to to do that. Uh, um, well, I, so I, I think I, I was thinking about this. If there could be some sort of an even higher standard at the sentencing phase for a capital case. But I know beyond a reasonable doubt, it was already pretty high. You could say maybe we could say like a moral certainty sort of thing. But I, 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 it does become problematic. And to me, in the end, if you're going to have a death penalty, which I'm I'm not in favor of. But if you're going to have a death penalty, I, I think if you're going to be intellectually honest, you have to admit to yourself that there will be occasions in a big country where we will occasionally get it wrong and kill people we shouldn't have killed. And is that worth? Is that you horrific? Have to, yeah. yeah. You have to be able to balance that equation and by saying uh, that is a cost. But if I'm being just purely utilitarian, there have been, you know, there are lives saved. Um, uh, by, by deterrence. And that's that's very difficult to to prove that equation. Yep, absolutely. And that's why I, I, I just, also yeah. think there's. Oh, no, Mike, I was going to say the ambiguity yeah. of that versus a life sentence. I mean, when we're talking about a death sentence, it's it's pretty clear in this process. But yet life sentences, we can have uh, somebody out in seven to somebody out in one hundred and fifty or three thousand. You know, we'll see some of these court cases. Um, so it it seems like if it moves to the next level where life is at stake. Maybe there's, but but you bring up a good point, Jay. That there is a process that is already there um, to be able to make sure that everybody uh, is is properly um, either convicted or or let free. So we just have to. The big problem is having faith in other people's completion of that duty with rationality and honesty. I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, the other the other problem is um, just the, the fallibility of human beings. Yeah. Right, and and it's it's. You know, there's no way around that, and and you know we can build the systems as best we can, uh, and we can always continually work to improve those systems, and that's maybe the best you can do. But I don't know that you can ever get to, um, that that perfection where you know someone, you know, a, a juror can say or a judge can say, yes, I absolutely think, uh, you know. 
this person uh, a committed the crime and, mm-hmm. and B um, uh, you know, deserves to die for it. It's, it's to have that absolute um, certainty in that. I, I don't, I don't know that you can get there and I don't know that you should get there even. Right. I mean, that's sort of, um, uh, and we should, we should note also, I mean, it varies from state to state, but typically yeah. the way, the way death penalties work is, is, um, uh, there's, you know, a jury decides the, the guilt or innocence, and then it goes to a second phase, um, uh, which also would involve a jury in most cases, uh, to determine to rec- make a recommendation. And then you, have, you, you typically have sort of a judicial override, again, depending on the state, um, as, as to whether that, you know, what penalty is given and, and what sentence is imposed. We hope you enjoyed this preview of our supporters exclusive midweek show. If you'd like to hear the rest of the episode, we hope you'll consider becoming a supporter. Supporters get ad-free access to all of our shows, membership in our Politics Guys Discord group where you can join in on the conversation, and other benefits at different levels of support. To become a supporter, go to patreon.com slash politicsguys. You can also support us through Venmo or at politicsguys or through PayPal. You'll find all of our support links in the show notes as well as at politicsguys.com slash support. And if you'd like to get the midweek show, but you're not in a position to become a financial supporter, that's not a problem. Just send me an email at mike at politicsguys.com, and I'll be happy to get that set up for you.